Welcome to Global Outpouring. I'm Philip Buss. And I'm Sharon Buss. And on this episode, we're going to talk about threats versus promises. What about all the buzz about conspiracies? But what does the Word of God say? And what is promised to us? And what is coming in the great coming global outpouring? So I'm sure that you have also received many of the social media links that people send about this that's going on and that that's going on behind the scenes and all of the dark things that are being done and how viruses are being created in China and there's deep state plans and plots and strategies and and globalists and and people that are manipulating the weather and putting out all these chemtrails and the various things that are out there and how Rome has all of this stuff going on and this dark, dark secrets and things in closets and skeletons in closets. And yeah, and, and then you have Islam, you know, the agenda of Islam, you know, is, which is so very strong and, and it's been their goal to rule the nations and any nation they have ever had their foot or had control hundreds of years ago, they considered theirs. Absolutely. Anytime any Muslim has prayed a Muslim prayer on any piece of ground, they consider it theirs. And they have an agenda. All of these outfits have an agenda. Yeah, even the the Buddhists, you know, oh, yeah. their agenda. Yeah. Sure. And not to mention all the practicers of witchcraft. Yeah. You know, if if you if you even remember from our childhood cartoons, you know, and 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 movies and stories and it it's all about how somebody's trying to take over the world and then the hero comes along and saves the day and saves the world. Superheroes. Superheroes. All these superheroes saved the world. I love that that t-shirt that I've seen people have that that have um all of these these superheroes in their superhero outfits, and Jesus is in the middle of them, and he and he says, "And that's how I saved the world." <laughs> I love that. So, you know, I'm not I'm not making fun of these things. Please understand me. I'm not making fun of them because I know that this stuff is all out there, and it's all about fear mongering, because there is a bigger conspirator that we have to understand what his agenda is and how he has all of these different groups that he's feeding dark, wicked, evil plots and plans and strategies and giving them all kinds of things to work with. And Jesus says, you know, that, that the, even the very elect could be deceived. And that's how we have to really keep our spiritual antennas on. Yeah. And so... We recognize that there has been a big conspiracy that's way bigger than whatever your favorite your favorite conspiracy theory is. And I, I'm, please, I'm not I'm not making fun of them. I'm just saying that this big conspirator has all of these different outfits under his control and he he's going to move forward whichever one he can move forward in in order for his his global domination 
strategy to take place. You know, he's he's got this plan for this Antichrist to come. But, you know, our our founder of our ministry, Sister Gwen Shaw, was very, very keen on keeping her ear to the ground as to what's going on in end time prophecy and end time uh, activities and, you know, what's going on and things that are going to lead up to the mark of the beast and things that are going to lead up to uh, uh, the Antichrist and so on. And once the Lord spoke to her and said, you know, you can watch the, that door over there for the Antichrist to come, or you can watch that door over there for me to come. And I think it's really important that we keep our eyes on who's really coming. Yes, our focus. Yeah, yeah, keep our focus. There's things that we have to recognize about this enemy that we are are uh, encountering. His description is spelled out in uh, Revelation chapter 12, and uh, it talks about how in, in chapter 12 and verse 7, it says, And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels went forth to battle with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought. But they were defeated, and there was no room found for them in heaven any longer. See, there, there is this area in between God's heaven and our atmosphere, and if you if you look into, um, I think it's Isaiah. Do you have that, Philip? Where, where it talks? Yeah, it's in Isaiah chapter fourteen. Okay, talk about yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll read the the chapter fourteen, verse twelve. How are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art you cut down to the ground, which did weaken the nations? And when you look at the even Lucifer, you know the word comes from Halel. It's the same root word as Hallel, where we get the root Hallelujah. And when you and when you read uh, this portion of Scripture in Isaiah 14, and you also read in Ezekiel chapter 28, where it says, "You were in Eden, the Garden of God." Yeah. And this gives you an understanding. This is not a mortal man. That's right. That you're talking about, even though if you look at the little side notes in some of the Bibles, there, they have totally missed it for what, what is going on here. Yeah, it's talking about the king of Tyre, and I'm sure there was a king of Tyre, yes, but it's was. talking about somebody else too. Yeah, and especially in verse 12 where it says, I will ascend into heaven, exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. Yeah, that's that's a really significant thing. Um, we're going to come back to Revelation but that's a very significant thing because if if you haven't been to Israel, plan to come with us. We're going in November, and all the information is on our website. Um, we have an amazing time there. But what you need to understand is that the city of David, the original city of Jerusalem, was on a, a small hill that was just south of the Temple Mount. And the place where the people congregated at the temple was on the sides of the north, on the, on the northern side of Jerusalem, the original city of Jerusalem, the city of David. And you see here that this character, it's called Luc he's called Lucifer in the English, but his name was Halel. 
And it says, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit upon the mount of the congregation on the sides of the north. That is the temple mount. And guess who's sitting there right now? Yeah, and the whole battle of the Middle East today and the war of for Jerusalem is who is going to be worshipped on the Temple Mount. Yeah, that's the truth. Is it going to be Jesus, Yeshua? Is it going to be Lucifer? Or and, Allah. Or Allah. Yeah. It's interesting that the word in, in Hebrew that for the for the word ascend is actually Allah. Ah, Allah. Is, isn't that yeah. interesting? Yeah. Uh, but this that character if you if you follow the history of religions in the Middle East, you'll find that there was a, a worshiping of the moon, the moon god. And in the days of Muhammad, when Muhammad was a young man and in his formative years, there was a god for every day of the year, and Muhammad was born on Allah's day. So he became Allah's prophet because it's his God, you know, it's the one on his birthday. And so Allah was the moon God. And you can tell that there is still the mark of the crescent, crescent the crescent moon. It's yeah. on top of almost all of the mosques. It's on most of the flags of Muslim countries. And you see what his agenda is. All of these threats, all of these threats are out there through the agendas of Lucifer, of this fallen angel, this fallen creature, that, that he, was, he was probably the highest or one of the highest of the angels, and he fell because pride filled his heart and because he, he, he turned to hate God because of this, this thing in his heart that he wanted to be as God or as good as God or as, you know, better than God. And he wanted to rule things. So that's been his agenda. And he's trying every possibility that he can to get control. But he's a liar. Remember, yeah. what did Jesus say about him in John 10.10? 10? John 10.10 10 talks about him. Uh, the, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Jesus said, I have come that I might my, my that they may have life and have it to its fullness or have it abundantly. Jesus was talking to the Pharisees and he said, you are of your father, the devil, and you carry out his desires. He was a murderer or manslayer from the beginning, refusing to uphold the truth because there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language because he's a liar and the father of lies. Mm. And that's what he is. He is a liar. So back to Revelation 12. This spells out who, who this dragon is. He, it says the dragon fought in his angels and did not prevail. It, the, it says in verse 9, the great dragon was cast out. That old serpent that is called the devil and Satan, who is the seducer or the deceiver, of the whole world. That's, that is his MO, his uh, modus operandi, his uh, mode of operation. He is a deceiver. He's a liar. He steals. He kills. He destroys. And he's trying to do that all over the world. Yeah. 
But it says he was cast out into the earth and his angels were cast out with him. Verse 10 says, and I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power or the authority of his Christ, his Messiah, his anointed one. For the accuser of our brethren, there's another name of that snake. The accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto the death. And that's where we are now. I believe we're in that time where there's this war going on in the heavenlies and the devil is fighting with his, along with his angels and Michael and the archangels are, are, are fighting him and he doesn't stand a chance because he's the forever loser. Yeah. That's the name that the Holy Spirit has been talking to Tim Sheets about. Anytime he refers to that character, the Holy Spirit has been calling yeah. him the forever loser. And we've been, you know, trained since, you know, in church and that coming up, you know the devil. The devil's under my feet. You know, and and uh, and we make the devil to look, and he is small into the comparison of the glory of God. But when you look how smart he is in the earthly sense of what he has done, with all these different agendas, right? Who who in a with a normal mind can orchestrate all these agendas from all these different things, all religions and all secularism, all the all the other things, all the satanic, all the evil, the wickedness, how all that is orchestrated, each trying to do its own thing in his perverted diamond. That's his facets are a perverted diamond. Yeah. Is what it is because he's and so he's uh, he's smarter than most people think he is because oh. he's had a few thousand years or so to know how to how to trick us. A deceiver. Deceiver. He is a deceiver. And that's how he operates. Yeah. He operates through lies. And all the people that work for him are liars. But there's nobody more deceived than a deceiver. Yeah. Because if if he had any sense of truth, he would know he's already defeated. Jesus actually defeated him at the cross. Yeah. But it's kind of like when when a law is passed by our government then it's handed down to other people to enforce it. Mm-hmm. And if they don't enforce it, it's a law, but it may not come into manifestation if the people don't enforce it, Yeah, if the people don't get with it. And so that's our job in these days is to rise up in the authority yes. of the blood of Jesus Christ, who gave his life for us because he loved us. Yes. God so loved the world. You know, he's not an angry old man that's cranky. He is righteous and he is holy, but he loves. He loves. He's he's full of loving kindness and tender mercies for those who will repent. Now, repent means to turn and go the other way. Mm-hmm. You're going in the wrong direction yeah. and you turn And you go back towards God. And Jesus made the way for us to be able to return. But all of these threats that are coming at us are threats that are are to inspire fear in our Mm -hmm. hearts. And if he can get us to fear, 
Yeah. Like like fearing a virus. You know, mm-hmm. you might catch a virus and it 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 might kill you. But you know what? You might not catch a virus. And yeah. even if you do catch it, you might not die from it. You know, we've got to get on top of this thing. Hebrews chapter 2 verses 14 and 15 talks about how uh the the children are partakers of flesh and blood. He, Jesus, likewise took part of the same. He became flesh that through death he, Jesus, might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Mm-hmm. Through all their lifetime subject to bondage. And when we are full of fear, we are bound, when yeah. we're, especially the fear of death. Mm-hmm. Jesus gave his life to save us from the fear of death. And that's, that's what the scripture I just read from Revelation twelve eleven says, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. When we lose the fear of death, it gives us a great authority. It gives us what it takes to stand up to the liar and say, truth. Yes. Why don't you share that experience you had in that dream where you were in, in the rocking chair? Oh, okay. I think that's a... That fits nicely here. Yeah. So I had this dream a number of years ago, and in my dream, I saw my grandmother sitting in a rocking chair in a a, a nice... It, it was kind of like a living room, dining room, big room, and it was morning. The sun was just pouring in through the window, and then all of a sudden... I was in the rocking chair, and I was the old woman. And I'm rocking and just enjoying the sunshine, enjoying the presence of God, enjoying this beautiful morning. And I said to myself, this would be a wonderful day to die. I wonder what my daughter will think when she comes back home and finds me. And in that moment, I felt... I can't explain it, but I felt the mouth of God come over my mouth and nose. It was so tender and so sweet like a kiss. I could feel his lips. I could, I could just, I knew that his teeth were there. It's like I could just feel the graze of his teeth, but his, his, his lips formed like a, a suction around my mouth and nose. And he went and sucked my spirit out of my body and back into himself. And it was like, it was like this amazing excitement and whoa, here we go. <laughs> and, and so, uh, I woke up from that dream just at, after he sucked me out of my body. And I thought, wow, if that's what death is like, I have nothing to fear. If that's, that's what I would call the kiss of death. It was wonderful. It was sweet. It was, it was, it was totally without fear. It was, it was like an excited anticipation, like, whoa, here we go. <laughs> and, and so we have to get over that fear of death. We cannot live victorious, abundant life if we have any kind of fear of death. And fear of death really comes because we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is 
death. death. And sickness is a form of something that can lead to death. And that's why when Jesus paid the atonement on the cross, he not only paid for us to be set free from our sins and set free from the power of sin and set free from that sin factory that's inside of us that makes us want to sin, he also set us free from sickness and pain and disease, all of those things. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement or the punishment of our peace was upon him. And and with his his stripes, stripes, we were healed. healed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. That's from Isaiah 53. We have precious promises. Precious promises of abundant life. Precious promises that we will that we will be overcomers. Now Jesus promised a promise that we don't really like. It's in John 16:33 just to set the stage. The last few chapters John 14:15-16-17 those chapters are what's called the upper room discourse. And it was Jesus' last sermon to his disciples where he was telling them all about the Holy Spirit that would be coming and what to expect from the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit's going to lead them. And at one point, he says in in verse 33 of chapter 16, these things I have spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. It's a tremendous promise. In the world, you shall have tribulation. Uh, That's a promise. And we experience all kinds of tribulations in our lives. We experience the tribulations of, you know, things that go wrong with relationships and all kinds of things that are arrayed against us by the powers of darkness to keep us from ever becoming all that God has planned for us to be. Keep us from being overcomers. Exactly. But Jesus no. said, you're going to have tribulation, but don't be afraid. I have overcome the world. Be of good cheer. Be happy. Yes. When you're in tribulation, be happy, for I have overcome the world. Amen. You know, in uh, Psalm 91, it's yes. you know, we read, He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. You know, we quote that psalm, we hear that psalm, but the key to that is the secret place. Right. You know, that, and the secret place is like your place with the Lord, your, your relationship with Him, you know, your communion with Him. That's why in um, some of our team in the early years when they remember they went into East Germany and they crossed through the border and they were looking for the underground church. They had Bibles they smuggled in. And the Holy Spirit would just speak to one, turn left. You know, you go down the street and then it would say, you know, turn turn right, go there, park your car here. You walk down the street, go up those stairs. And you go up, they go up the stairs and knock. Yeah, and people come to the door and their eyes just look out. Is this the KGB coming? You know, because right. it was under the control of Russia. And they would just say, hallelujah. And they'd <laughs> open the door and let them in. It was guidance of the Holy Spirit. And the only way they can operate like that was by spending time in the secret place. Right. 
As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons, sons of God. And that's that's Romans 8, 14. That is a key scripture. It's about being led by the Holy Spirit. Mm. And the Holy Spirit outpouring that began on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 in fulfillment of Joel 2, 28, was this outpouring that filled us with the Spirit of God. And, re- and we received his power to become sons of God, his power to walk in authority, to, to walk as sons of God, even as Jesus walked in the earth. He's looking for us to be like him in the earth. Yes, we are his ambassadors. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and all of this fear-mongering that's going on is cast out by Perfect love. Perfect love. Jesus has perfect love. Our Father has perfect love. And as we get restored to our relationship with him, as we dwell in that secret place of the Most High, as we go from glory to glory in his presence, it changes us. It transforms us. It makes us partakers of the divine nature, and it casts out the fear. First uh, John four eighteen talks about how, how there's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. It drives it out. It banishes it. Yes, amen. You know, and in Isaiah 26, verse 3, I will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because we trusted in you. And if we can keep our minds on the Lord, you know, even when you're in your rush hour, you know, on times in your job, there's a time you can just keep your mind on the presence of the Lord. And even the book of Brother Lawrence that, that he wrote. Yes, the practice of the presence of God. And he had this amazing relationship with God. And he was the cook. Yeah. You know, so he's in the and kitchen. And he was clumsy, too. And clumsy, peeling potatoes, and probably got yelled at a lot and things like that. But he was there serving the Lord, and, and his mind was stayed on the Lord and developed that relationship that he had. And we can do that, too. Exactly. And Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 4 talks about the exceeding great, precious, wondrous promises, mm. precious and magnificent promises, that through those promises, we may share or participate or be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption of the world through earthly cravings and lusts and evil desires and destructive lust, all of those things that are being arrayed against us, that are being arrayed and, and threats and agendas that are spoken against the, uh, the agenda of God. And Psalm 2 talks about uh, why do the heathen rage or tumultuously assemble? They're busy trying to throw off, cast off the restraints that God has put upon us because the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And God wants us to get a vision that he is coming. Jesus Christ is coming. He's coming to establish, honey, he's coming to establish a one world government. Amen. (laughs) You know, when Jesus came the first time, it was a type of one world government under Rome. That's true. That's yeah. true. And so, yes, there's there's probably going to be some kind of organization of a one world government. There's all kinds of agendas trying to make that happen. But it's going to be brief if it's going to have any success at all. I don't know whether it will even manage to cover the whole earth. But 
The bottom line is, when Jesus comes back, he's going to have a one-world government, and it's going to be glorious, and it's going to be peaceful, and the wolf will lie down with the lamb. Amen. And the government will be upon his shoulders. That's right. And so the more we allow him to govern our lives personally, as we as living stones in the kingdom of God are going to be built together into this community, into this city of God, and the more we allow him to have rule and reign in our lives personally, the greater will be the power of his ecclesia, his church, his, his, his government in the earth. As we stand up and declare his agenda, it's going to cause the agendas of, of the evil one to fall to the ground because he's the forever loser. That's right. Amen. If you enjoyed today's episode, Please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your review helps the show reach more people and spread the good news of God's global outpouring. Check out our website at globaloutpouring.org to find out more information, connect with us, get a link to our Facebook page and our YouTube channel. You can browse our online bookstore for amazing anointed material. Until next time, this is Sharon Buss. And I'm Philip Buss. God bless you with his overwhelming, loving presence.